Welcome to the show. Episode number, what are we, 19? Something like that. Who knew, eh? Started from the bottom, and now we're ever so slightly off the bottom. Um, this week, I had the privilege of meeting someone who was an introduction from Johnny O'Donnell. And now Johnny and I caught up for um, an episode of the podcast a few months ago now, I think, actually, um, and talked about all things to do with, I guess, the, the way technology is changing the world and the new rules of everything. So anyway, very recently, Johnny sent me a message and said, hey, man, you should catch up with Paul Miners um, and told me a few things about who Paul was and what he was about. And I thought, let's do it. This is going to be great. So here's the deal. Paul is um, a very gifted guy when it comes to the world of being organized and um, basically maximizing your productivity. But the cool thing about this conversation and why I think it's going to appeal to anybody is that we didn't just dwell on how to be more efficient in, in, in your time, but also how to get the life you really want and how technology is changing uh, to allow us to, to do that, moving us beyond just the, the limitations of a typical eight hour day into a more productive way of living. And then beyond that too, we talked about the idea of contentment as well that said that there's an idea in our culture that says we've all always going to be pushing for more and all this kind of stuff and uh, what about being able to embrace a life that is also full of fulfillment it's a really cool conversation here he is in biz dojo takapuna auckland on the north shore it's paul miners so today we're at the biz dojo in takapuna in a nice little private meeting suite i like to call it um, and i'm here with paul miners who is um, a productivity guru Guru, do you like guru? Does that guru? Uh, I don't know. I, I try not to label label myself as a guru or an expert. I just go with productivity blogger and consultant. Ah, well, that's <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's probably a little bit more kind of uh, marketable than guru, I suppose, yeah. isn't it? So um, the the whole idea of productivity to me and why you know it inspired me to want to talk to you as well is that. I mean, people want to get the best out of their lives. Mm. Um, and so to me, it fascinates me first to know what it was in your life that made you go, wow, what can I do to maximize what I'm doing? Yeah. Uh, and then also how you go about sharing that with others. So tell me about that journey. Where did yeah, it start? Yeah, the productivity journey really started when I was back at university. Uh, when was that? 2009 onwards mm -hmm. for a few years there. And um I started getting into this habit of like dissecting my workload and particularly around like writing essays and completing assignments and things and I would kind of work backwards and I'd have this approach of like okay the assignments due on this date so I need mm -hmm. to have the final draft due a day before I need to have the second draft done three days before that and the final the first draft before that and I kind of work backwards and I'd work out when I was going to write each paragraph <laughs> and I'd, I'd literally go through the whole process of working out what I needed to do, and then blocking out the time on my calendar to do it. Yeah. And I do this for every assignment, I have all my lectures on my calendar. Wow. And I, was, I had this kind of um, yeah, highly detailed process for just making sure I had time to do everything, all my readings, classes, um, and getting the work done. Mm. And it's just something that I naturally started doing. Mm. Um, I've always been like a fairly organized person. And um, my productivity kind of learning and habits just sort of evolved from there, really. I, I actually did a course, um, towards the end of uni I think it was or when I first started work actually mm. and it was called uh, Learn Your Why or okay. Find Your Why and it's actually by Simon Sinek who gave the TED talk yes. um, about the golden circle and, yeah and exactly the, uh, yeah, start with why start with why exactly yeah. so yeah. he's got a great book if you want to read that check out his TED talk I actually did his program which really is about coming up with a why statement for you mm. and it's a statement that describes what you do and why you do it mm. and um, for me I found that I'm someone that's very driven by this idea of like learning, achieving my goals, self-improvement, that's my why. Yeah. And the how for me 
productivity is my how. If I can be more effective and efficient in mm-hmm. everything that I do, not just work, mm-hmm. but in life in general, in sports, in my hobbies, in my relationship, if I can be more effective and more efficient, that is my how for achieving more and, and realizing my full potential. I love so that. productivity is my, is my vehicle that I use. Something actually, sorry to jump in on that point, but actually what made me look, because I traditionally, traditionally, that's the wrong word, um, if I look back through my life up until, say, even the last few years, would have been characterized as a pretty disorganized person. Hmm. Um, but I realized the big shift for me it connects with what you were saying there, that when I started to become clearer about what I was about and what hmm. I wanted to do, um, I was not the kind of person who could be organized for organized sake. Um, you know, I find there are yeah. some who, yeah, you know, they like it. they like everything to be in a row regardless of what they're doing. I didn't connect on that level, but when I started to go, oh, actually, I want to impact the world more with what I'm doing. I want to live a more meaningful, uh, wire-driven life. That's where, I guess, the gateway to learning more about productivity and yeah. how to be more efficient. Came I mean, in. I, I always ask people like when I am. Um, talking to a potential client for the first time and I consult with companies helping them with tools like Asana, Pipedrive and MailChimp. These are just Mm -hmm. the tools that I've used for the last few years that I've come to know very well and um, one of the things I ask is, you know, why do you want to use Asana better? Asana is a task management and project management tool for those Mm -hmm. that don't know and um, I ask, why why do you want to use this better? Because they're coming to me saying, teach me how to use it, how do we set it up? Mm -hmm. And I say, I can help you with all that, but why? Um, do you want to make more money? Are you trying to cut costs? What problem are you trying to solve? Is there a communication issue? Do you mm. not know who's doing what? What is the fundamental business problem you're trying to solve? Because using Asana better is great, but if it's not serving some kind of goal or purpose, then what's it all for? So that's kind of one of the questions I always come back to. Does that tend to shock people sometimes? No, no. Mostly, generally, people will have a pretty good answer okay. it's maybe something they haven't thought about or made a connection yeah they haven't made the connection like oh asana means i can you know be more productive and have better communication or whatever it might be yeah they haven't made that connection but fundamentally i think they know mm. okay because that that was yeah my thought too that when you know i look at that say the culture that we live in today too um and on the one hand you would say that there is a there is a pace to life um that you know People have said it's been accelerating for the last, you know, 200 years. Everybody says the next generation is running around too fast. Um, <laughs> but to, you know, speed for speed's sake, um, as opposed to yeah. for, a, for a purpose or a why, it really kind of resonates on a stronger level. Definitely. I actually love the phrase from the four-hour work week. And that was actually one of the fundamental books that started me down the path that I'm on today. Okay. Yep. And um, there's a phrase in the book where Tim Ferriss is describing and defining the new rich. Okay. And these are the people that, you know, are time and location independent mm. and their income isn't tied to hours at the desk or at the computer. And he, he has this phrase called work for work's sake. Okay. And it's this idea that you shouldn't be just doing work to fill hours, which I've, I've experienced that in previous jobs, which is yeah. why I hate and detest the nine to five routine culture sure. you know you you have to sit at a desk 40 hours a week and, and do work mm. even if you get your job done in half the time you can't leave early mm. and i don't know why we're not measured more on results yeah um so he says in the book yeah work for work's sake is the is the number one enemy of the new rich and just because you have the time doesn't mean you should fill it and so really what he gets you to do at the beginning of the book is then defining okay what do you want to do? What do you, who do you want to be? And what do you want to have when you free up your time? Because yeah. often, if we haven't thought about those things, what is the purpose? 
we end up doing work for work's sake because we have no idea what to do with all our free time. <laughs> so, so, so what did that look like for you then when you started to do that inventory of your time and what you wanted to do with it? Yeah, well, I've, I spent the last few years, I mean, I've been building my business on the side while working a number of full-time jobs. I spent years doing that and just getting to a stage where I could replace my salary and quit my job. That was mm. a big deal for me. I didn't want to go out on my own until I knew I could support myself and my wife. And so that took a long time. So any free time I had not working was largely spent building my business. Uh, At end, end of 2016, I got to the point where I could hand in my notice, mm. quit my job in December. For the first half of 2017, I've been traveling Southeast Asia with my wife. That was a big thing. Mm. Um, so something I'd, we'd always wanted to do was go traveling and, and working for myself, which in turn allowed me to free up my time, mm. was... Um, was the thing that allowed us to go traveling and, mm. and so that was a big big way to fill the time was i mean i, I was working maybe 25 uh, sorry 20 25 hours per week while traveling and then right. for the rest of the time just kind of chilling out exploring doing what we wanted yeah you made an interesting distinction there as well when you talked about getting ready for this business you talked about i did my time working and mm. then i was working on my business um and some would say that well you so you were working and then you came home to do working but you didn't see it that way no no it's completely different yeah tell me more about that um, I don't know how to put it. It's, I see them as very different worlds. You know, I had my, I'd wake up early, yeah. five o'clock maybe, and I'd do work on my business. Uh-huh. That's my time, my goals. I'm working on my business before I then go to my job, which is where I'm serving somebody else's goals. I'm serving yeah. someone else. I'm, I've got a responsibility to my employer. I'm doing completely different work. Um, and then I come home and I carry on working on my business, which is for me. And they're different goals, different type of work. So I see them very separate so even though yes maybe it's all bucketed under this label of work yeah. I saw them as two very different worlds yeah yeah, yeah. No, but I mean again I find that, that interesting and that idea again and that's connects with what Tim Ferriss's idea was right that when you're doing um, the kind of things that you want to be doing mm. as opposed to the things like that you feel you have to be doing mm. uh, it is a completely different experience but people can do that now yeah um, and what I find interesting too, it'd be good to get your perspective on this, is that when you actually show people that really the only thing limiting them doing that is their own ideas and opinions about what's possible, that, you know, yeah, you've thought of yourself as working nine to five in an office, that's what work looks like. Yeah. But it doesn't have to look like that anymore. No, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a really exciting time to be alive. And I think yeah. now with like technology and, you know, I'm dealing with clients all around the world, a lot in the US, in Europe as well. and. It's a great time to be alive because you can build a business where you are time and location and financially independent. You know, mm. I think more and more people are discovering that, yeah, you don't have to subscribe to this nine to five culture. If you want, you can go out and, and do everything on your own. Mm. And I think we're seeing, I think we are starting to see a shift towards that where I think in the future, more and more companies will move away from employing people mm. and working with independent workers, co uh, consultants, freelancers, you know, for everything, web development, design, accounting, everything could, you could, you can contract someone instead of hiring someone. Because hiring someone, you've got salaries to pay for, all their, I don't know, benefits, insurances, whatever other costs come with employing someone. Yeah. It's arguably a lot cheaper to employ or, or work with a contractor for a short period of time. And I yeah. think there's a big advantage for business owners and a big advantage for the workers themselves as well. So I think the world will continue to shift this way. So tell me about that, because I think that's, that's very interesting too, um, that when we're looking at um, uh, what the new um, marketplace is going to look like. Um, some people have been kind of unsettled by this. Um, it's where this idea of like a, a you know a UBI, um, universal basic income, has started to come in because mm. people are saying, oh well, with all these things, they're going to be 
automating and, and whatever, what will we do to fill our time? They see it as a, as a potential negative or a risk, but it sounds like you're seeing it really as the opportunity. Yeah, oh, I don't know. I don't know how I, I can comment on that. It's Yeah, that's looking really far ahead, isn't it, when jobs are really gone and the machines have taken over, isn't it? I mean, I don't, I don't know. There's lots of things that can happen. I think automation is really exciting. I mean, yeah. I try and automate different parts of my job. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just the idea to, to, to be able to work remotely anywhere yeah. and to work, because um, you, know, you mentioned that too, like instead of getting paid for hours, get paid for the work, um, you know, and do that from anywhere, yeah. as opposed to... You know, this is all stuff that's been made possible in the last little while, like you say, an exciting time to be alive. Yeah, exactly. And, and like I said before, I think more and more people are realizing, I think technology has made it so easy now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's easier than ever to set up a website. It's easier mm. than ever to host that, where before you had to, I don't know, like physically buy your own server and yeah, host right. it yourself. And you've got tools like Shopify and all these different tools that will allow you to collect payments and move money around the world and, and market yourself anywhere. Mm. Um, as for like, I don't know, whether whether the jobs will go, I think, I think with most technological developments that we've seen in the past like there'll just be a shift you know mm, yeah. maybe maybe with driverless trucks truck drivers are going to be in a lot lower demand but then there's going to be a much higher demand for well like software engineers uh, yeah. for example though the yeah. new the or new... driverless truck um, service mean yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah actually that's a better better one because I, I don't know if the truck drivers can just become <laughs> software engineers so maybe yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. yeah. But, it, but that's right like thinking about all the new opportunities that are going to yeah. be created like for example with drones right now mm. drones are this big exciting new technology there are tons of businesses that are now profiting from drones. Yeah. Like whether it's replacing the parts to writing software for drones, um, offering fulfillment services, using drones, that kind of thing. So it's all yeah. the little new industries, new little ideas that come up as a result of that technology. So I think there's a, it'll be a shift. I don't, I don't know if I really believe that we'll end up in a point where the machines are doing everything. Yeah. We've all got our universal income, hmm. and we just get to decide how to fill our time. I, I don't know if I believe that as the, new, the future just yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I don't even know if I would want that either. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think um, you know, it really is the power of choice for me, and this, and this is why, again, I love you know with your approach and what you're able to show people now too is that you know you can do things with your time now that you just couldn't do previously, and uh, I think a lot of people who have maybe a traditional view of their work. It's shaped by, well, these are the things that I have to do and this is how I have to look. Um, and now that that's not the case anymore, I mean, what if you just were able to do what you loved doing in three hours a day yeah. as opposed to at a desk for eight hours a day? Yeah. You'd still have time to do more of the other things you always wished you could do, but yeah. it just looks different now. Yeah, it would. It would. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I find it's sometimes quite tricky to work out what you want to do as well. Like, mm. if, you are, if you ask the question or try and answer the question, sorry, like, what would you do if money was no object? Yeah. Like, if you, if, you, if you were given a billion dollars to live off, like, what would you do? I, I don't even know how I would answer that, really. Maybe there's things I would do. Yeah, maybe I would go traveling more. I'd go surfing or, yeah. or do more CrossFit or whatever it might be. But I, filling all my week, I think I would get bored with the amount of like recreational <laughs> things that I'm doing. Yeah. And so I think, you know, we are sort of wired in a way to to work mm. in, a, in a, a bit. Mm. You know, I think oh, maybe, no, maybe the balance, we need to think about the balance between work and other areas of life. But yeah. I think humans, you know, we, we are designed to, to, you know, create, to yeah. innovate, to, to do like, real things you know yeah. not just sitting on a beach somewhere <laughs> and look, even that, that thought again like that kind of challenges the traditional notion of work to me as well that work is a um, you know as you, as you say I would agree too that I think that when people are at their best 
they're expressing their, their creativity and their, their uh, you know, their intuition about things and they're able to create something. Yeah. yeah. Um, even if it's just a great spreadsheet, if that's what yeah. you're into and you, you know, I mean, I, I joke to my accountant when I see her that people like her make people like me possible yeah. uh, because she can go through tax returns and come up with something ordered at the end of it. But she feels great about that. Yeah. Um, and so to say to people, you know, happiness is not doing anything, um, seems a bit counterintuitive to me yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. So then let's let's go back to this journey then for you in terms of how you turned this 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 passion of yours into into a business as well. Um, it'd be great to hear about while you were you know working on your business around uh, your regular work. Mm. Um, what did that look like, and and how did you go about it? Yeah, so that that transition. Um, God, it feels like it feels like it take it took a long time. I mean, that's that's a key key thing is that with building a business on the side, it's it's not a quick thing. Mm. I think I started my I really started like four four years ago maybe, mm. and I tried for a long time making and selling digital products online because okay. that's what a lot of people do. They make an ebook or a course. Mm. It's a very attractive business model to be able to create something digital once and sell it tens of thousands of times and never have to ship a physical product. I love that mm. model and I'm still trying to do that. But I tried that for a long time, that was my focus. And then I kind of, last year I thought, well, what is my goal here? Because it was, it, it takes a long time to build an audience and get the traffic that you need to really make a business model like that work, to yeah, have sure. the, the numbers on your email list and going through your sales mm. funnel to really sell enough products mm. to make that work. And I took a step back last year and I was like, you know, what is my goal? Really, I want to be able to replace my salary and for me, that was, I work in US dollars in my head because uh -huh. everything's, all my customers in the US. So I was thinking about three and a half to $4,000 per month would be great. If I could do that mm. um, as a minimum, yep. I, if I could do that for maybe three months, I could quit my job because three months means, you know, I've done it a few times. It's yeah, sustainable. Gotcha. I'm not just a one trick pony. Mm -hmm. So that was my goal. And I thought, well, freelancing, coaching, consulting, whatever label you want to put on it is, is probably a very quick way that I can achieve that because in, I can sell a service to a company or a person or a couple of people and if I price my services right I can I can hopefully reach that figure pretty quickly mm. a lot quicker than it would be to build a big audience and go through the down the product route mm. so about halfway through 2016 I was um, I had this kind of idea and I was talking to a few people trying to find out how other people do it and a girl in Europe gosh I can't remember whereabouts she is but she said um, try listing yourself on Clarity now Clarity.fm is a dial and expert service okay and so you can just say these are my skills I listed you know Asana for example is one of the skills that I have I know mm. Asana very well I know how to set things up and manage mm. your accounts and things and just be very organized in Asana and I got a number of people booking calls with me who needed help with Asana. Mm -hmm. And I noticed this pattern of just more and more people booking calls needed some help. So I sort of thought, well, why don't I make this like a dedicated consulting service? I set up a proper landing page on my site. I set up some Google AdWords to send some traffic to it. And, um, and it sort of took off from there. I mean, in mm -hmm. my first month, I think, uh, doing this kind of virtual consulting, mm -hmm. is what I call it, yeah. um, I made about 1200 bucks US nice. um, wow. in, in month one, which I was like, okay, great. Like this is, it's not replacing my salary, but it's a big step towards, if I can ramp this up a little bit, yeah. it's a big step towards that. Yeah. And so I just started doing that more and more and really just refining my, my sales approach, the, um, tr trying different channels for finding clients and things. I then started offering more services as well, like uh -huh. for example, Pipedrive, uh -huh. which is a sales CRM, a bit like Salesforce oh, yeah. or Infusionsoft, mm -hmm. but very easy to use. <laughs> um, uh, it's another tool that I know very well. I thought, well, I'll set up that as a service. So I had a couple of different services that I offer. 
Mm. And it's great because a lot of people that use Pipedrive, for example, use MailChimp. That was the third service I came up with. Uh-huh. So I'm actually a registered MailChimp expert. And I thought, well, if I can, if somebody's interested in Pipedrive and they use MailChimp, I can add more value. I can support them more. So it kind of, there was a few things. The snowball began to grow. And then within a couple of months, not not much time, I was able to replace that salary. Wow. Um, and through the through the virtual consulting that I was doing, um, yeah, I was able to get to that stage quite quickly. And I yeah. think that's one of the advantages I found to going down that route, mm-hmm. adopting mm-hmm. that business model rather than selling digital products online because it, it didn't require like a big audience and stuff. Yeah. And it achieved my goal of being able to replace my salary. Mm-hmm. And in terms of sort of how I made that happen from a productivity standpoint, as I sort of said earlier, I mean, I get up early at 5 a.m. I put in a few hours before work. Um, I would uh, come home from work, do a few more hours. Then I, I'd maybe, because I track my time, I was maybe doing 15 to 20 hours per week on my side business. A uh-huh. um, little bit at the weekend as well. And that's not, a, that's not a huge amount of time. You have to be really disciplined with how, what you choose to work on. Yeah. Tell I found that. that, yeah, well, I mean, you're always getting people emailing you with new opportunities and ideas. Uh-huh. Um, a bit like this interview, for example, I get a lot of requests for things like this. Mm. And I try and follow Derek Sivers' Um, approach. I don't know if you've heard of his no. his philosophy of like it's either hell yes or no. No, yes. So, so yeah, 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 and, yeah. Unless you, I've heard a stronger word than hell used, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think people can probably imagine. Um, yeah. So it's this idea. Unless you're feeling like hell yeah, I really want to do that. If you're anything less than that, if you're just yeah. like a oh yeah, that might be cool. Don't right. do it. Right. Well, I'm flattered then. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, no, it was. Yeah, because I do turn down a lot of things. Um, um, and but the fact that we got introduced via Johnny, like a mutual contact, I was like, yes. hell yeah, I want to meet. Them, yeah, you cool. Know? Um, so uh, yeah, it, it forces you to prioritize and turn down a lot of opportunities, mm. so that you can free up your time and your space to work on the things mm. that really matter. Mm. And um, so that was a big thing for me. And now, obviously, I am working for myself full time. I, I do have a little bit more capacity to do a few more. Yeah. You know, not so hell yeah things, which maybe I shouldn't do, but. Um, but um, no, that was definitely something that I, I tried to follow quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, there's a whole bunch of things that you touched on there that I loved as well. But I, mean, I suppose on that last point in particular, mm. that idea about opportunity being like a kind of more of an abundant thing. Mm. Um, I think it's really, even for anybody listening and thinking about starting their own business and wondering where to begin from as well, it's amazing that um, in my experiences with um, startup companies as well, that when you start, uh, you feel the need to take everything on board. Mm. Um, ironically, some of those things that you take on that don't have that hell yes about them, either are the things that don't make you money or uh, you know, are the things that eat the time away from the yeah. things that you really wish that you could be doing. Mm. Um, but it's amazing how much opportunity does seem to have a, a momentum kind of quality about yeah. it. Yeah, I think a lot of it, like when getting started with business, a lot of people love to make themselves busy with mm. all the little businessy admin things they think they need to do. Ooh, tell me more for about example, that. And it's, yeah. and it's the work for work's sake thing, because they okay. think, oh, I'm starting a new business. Well, I need to register a company. I need a business card. I need a logo. I need all these little things. Right. Today, I still don't have a business card. Um, <laughs> okay, I don't even, I, even if I had one, I don't know, because I deal with people online. Yeah, it's, right, it's a right, di- right. digital world. I just have a stack of business cards on my desk never getting used. Yeah. But you know, people make themselves busy designing logos and things. My logo, I think I just threw together in a few hours. If you haven't seen it, it's literally a coffee mug next to my yep. name. It mm-hmm. wasn't. There's not a lot of meaning or thought into that. It's just a gimmicky little thing, a little right. bit of personality on my site. The point was, the point I'm making is, you could make yourself very busy going down these little rabbit holes of things that mm. you think are important. When really, I think for a new business, um, and and uh, you know, if you're going into the freelancing consulting route, you just need to validate your idea and find someone who's willing to exchange real dollars 
for your service as quick as you can. Like find your first few customers as yeah. quick as you can and start getting feedback on your service. Mm. Um, that's your, that should be your priority, in my opinion. All this other stuff could can wait. Yeah. I've only just registered my company. I was a sole trader, a sole proprietor for years. Right, I okay. didn't even worry, I, I kept my receipts, but I didn't worry about any of the accounting or any of that crap, excuse uh-huh. me, yeah. um, for, until it became important, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do, I do. That's really interesting. I'd love to hear more about that because I think that that in particular, um, and what I've observed of small business, is that you're right, there, there's a billion things that you can do um, and the list of things that people will tell you to do. Um, you know, if you want to start getting advice from people, mm. then, you know, you can get advice all day long as well, right? Yeah. Um, so then that process for you of, of getting that proof of concept um, that was again what you'd say you achieved through um, through that first few virtual consulting calls. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Through clarity. I mean, it was a nice, quick way of being able to throw up a. I set up a profile. I had a listing of you know this is a skill that I have. I mean, it, t- it took I don't know less than twenty minutes to set mm-hmm. that up, mm-hmm. and then I was able to t- um, start taking a number of calls like people. You know, search mm. for I need an Asana expert. They book a call with you, mm. and those calls are you know thirty to sixty minutes, however long people want. You get mm. you get they get billed based on how long they are. Yeah, sure. And so I was able to sort of validate that idea very quickly, which was great because I I was able to get feedback and I thought, well, yeah, this consulting thing, you know, I've I'm just through a few clarity calls making a little bit of money here. If I actually make it like a dedicated thing, try and kind of package my service a little bit more, mm. um, I could deliver more value and, and take on bigger projects, that kind of thing. But the clarity was very much my my MVP, my minimum viable product for like yeah. just testing the idea. Yeah. yeah, 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 right. And how many clients did you, would you say you had kind of, you said was it about three or four before Something you? Something like that, yeah. yeah. I still, I'm still on clarity. I still take clarity calls. Okay. I mean, yeah. it's not a big source of income because it's just by the hour and might only be a 15, 30 minute call. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, I, I still take them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So where would you want to take things for for your business now then? Is it pretty much doing everything you want it to be doing or? Well, I'm at a really interesting point. I'm, I'm really happy right now. I'm very content with where I am. I've thought a lot about this idea of growth uh-huh. and um, uh, there's some great books out there. Uh, you know, uh, what is it? Rework by the guys from Basecamp. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. they, they've got a great book about challenging a lot of the traditional business um, beliefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, one big belief is like, you should always be growing. And oh, right, okay. right now, I've actually still, to this day, I still just think all I need to earn is three and a half, four thousand dollars per month US to replace my old income. That's it. Yeah, right. Everything else is gravy. Everything else is a bonus. Yeah. And I'm, right now, I'm earning a lot more than that uh, yeah. than I was. But in my mind, I set my bar very low. Uh-huh. I'm not too concerned with, uh, oh, I have to be growing X percent every month. Mm. If I just hit my baseline and I'm not worse off than I was, yeah, sure. then this is great. Yeah. This is a bonus. Um, I'm not that interested in hiring people but or working with virtual cons- uh, virtual excuse me assistants. Mm-hmm. I've tried VAs in the past. I'm a bit of a, and look, I'm not, nothing against growth mm. or hiring people or VAs. Mm. This is just how I want to run my business. Sure. I love um, that it's just me. I, I would never want to um, have a VA answer my email because I like communicating with my subscribers. If uh-huh. I'm not reading their emails, I'm not learning from them. Mm. So outsourcing that would be a mistake for mm. me. Mm. Um, and, and to be honest, there's, I, I've seen a lot of people you know, create a lot of stress in their business. When you, ma- when you have to manage people yeah. and virtual assistants, the stress and responsibility it puts on you as an employer is mm. just, I would rather not have that. So yeah. I'm really happy operating as a lone wolf, mm. just doing my thing, and then it's only my 
income I have to worry about. I don't sure. have to worry about paying salaries or anything like that. Or my sure. VA who needs X amount of hours per week. And if I don't fill that quota, they're going to be sitting there yeah, doing right. nothing, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, so in terms of your question, where do I want to take things out? I am very content with where I'm at. I've got a couple of sources of revenue. I've still got some product revenue coming in. Okay. Um, one goal is I'd like to grow that more. I'm actually launching, I pre-sold a program earlier this year and I'll be publicly launching mm. towards the end of August, maybe early September. Mm. I'll be publicly launching a program called How to Become a Virtual Consultant. Right, okay. And it's, it's really taking everything that I've learned over the last 12 months and, and in a course, um, teaching people Everything from mm. um, finding your idea, testing it, the marketing, setting up ads, landing mm. pages, pricing. I even give away the exact proposals that I use what? because I'm, I'm very happy with where I'm at and I just want to help as many other people as I can to make that transition to what we talked about earlier about just becoming time and location independent. I think virtual consulting is a great way to do that and so yeah. this program is really um, the solution for that. So my immediate goals are I'm launching that and I want mm. to make the product arm of my business um, a bit bigger and st mm. I'll still keep the consulting going but yeah just kind of grow the mix of revenue sources that I've got. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you kind of preempted a question I was going to ask too which is you know why you know why take that next step with it as well but is there something more you could add to that about you know when you're looking at the number of opportunities that are available to mm, you mm. Um, how did you was it literally just a process of saying what what's going to be most rewarding to me or where the opportunity lies um, I say that because I know, yeah. again, we can touch on the Simon Sinek side of things that maybe a, more of an old school approach is to look at the market yeah. and say, what does the market want? And then you bend yourself to the market. Yeah. Uh, or instead saying... Yeah, it, it was a combination of things. Um, it was partly what would I, what would be a project that I would enjoy doing, uh -huh. um, which I thought I would love to teach people this and mm. kind of put everything I've learned my system into a package that people can can learn from that was you know my desire to work on this as a cool project was definitely part of it yep. in terms of what the market wanted oh and actually just coming back to that there was also coming back to my why before mm. when you when you go when i went through that program a part of your why should include some aspect which is serving others yeah and so my why is about it is about um you know, realizing my full potential and mm. achieving more, but it's also about helping others to do the same. Mm. And so I was thinking about my why, and I was thinking, you know, well, really, I should be teaching others to emulate what I've done. And I think virtual consulting is a great way for that. I know loads of people want to be time, location, financially independent. Mm. Um, so part of this program is about teaching people what I've done so mm. that they can become time, financially, location independent and, and kind of realize their full potential. Yeah. So that was definitely part of it. Um, it was partly determined by the market as well, which is why I pre-sold the course. Uh -huh. I didn't want to make a program that um, that there was no demand for. I mean, there's a lot of similar pro programs out there. There are loads of people teaching you how to make online courses or make money online. Yeah. Mine's just another one of those. Uh -huh. It's just yeah. my story. It's my approach, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying mine's the best. I mean, there's probably ones that are way better than mine. But I'm just, I really want to just teach people this is the approach that I've used yeah. to make my first few thousand dollars a month through virtual consulting. Yeah. Um, so I pre-sold that in April and uh -huh. I said, you know, I was very clear. This has not been made yet. You'll get a discounted price now. Uh, you can have an influence on what content goes into the program. Mm. And so, yeah, the market very much determined whether I would even proceed with that project or not. Mm. That's really cool. Something that I've observed... Um, in terms of, you know, again, to, to touch on maybe a Simon Sinek video that went pretty viral as well, talking about the millennial question. Yeah, uh, yeah. And um, what it is that, you know, air quotes everybody, millennials um, have brought to, to the workplace, something that I think on a positive level that I haven't heard much about, but I hear very much from you as well, 
is this idea of contribution and generosity behind what we do um, goes against, I think, maybe more traditional models of business, which tended to focus on things like just you know bottom line performance and you know are we growing yeah. quarter on quarter. Mm. Um, is that something you've observed more more commonly as well? Um, in all honesty, not not really within my business, but yeah. I mean generosity and giving back is definitely something I personally as an individual yeah. you know think about and believe in mm. I mean on our trip one of the biggest takeaways from our travel overseas you know we went to a lot of developing countries mm. is seeing how other people live you know they're yeah. living in off much smaller incomes than we do in western cultures they mm. have smaller houses populations are very dense um, just the standard of living was generally a lot lower and mm. so it's just thinking about um, how fortunate we are but how you can sort of help the situation a little bit actually while we were traveling i think we were we were in sri lanka uh -huh. and um uh, there was actually some flooding there were some floods in sri lanka just there was a lot of a lot of rain and uh -huh. there was a lot of flooding we were going to go on a safari we couldn't make it because uh -huh. the roads were roads were blocked so we actually came back and we went to the supermarket and bought as much food as we could fit in a trolley and just gave it to a local um uh, collection point right. who was taking the food to, okay. to a, an area and I think that was something maybe at the start of the trip we would have just been like oh my gosh the flooding is terrible yeah. oh well let's just go back to our Airbnb but this was towards the end of the trip we'd had we'd seen a lot of sort of been exposed to a lot of these you know experiences seeing a lot of people how they live and we were kind of really like okay well we should do something about it mm. and so that's mm. really what prompted us to actually go to the supermarket and take action and not just give money we actually really loved being able to go and buy food and give it to them and, yeah. and actually know that this packet of lentils was going to be given to someone <laughs> yeah and it was really nice um so i mean in my business yeah i think i think if businesses can be generous and give back and serve others i think that's that's great and yeah. if, i think um you know serving others not just focusing on the bottom line is um is I think more and more companies are starting to move that way. Yeah. And uh, as I grow as an individual and a person, I hope I can do the same. Uh, sorry, as an individual and as a business, I hope I can do the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, as I say, it's something that I'm, I'm getting fairly strongly from you as going as well. Like, I mean, there's even a, I'm noticing too, like a big shift has been the generosity of ideas and intellectual property. Um, in terms of, you know, maybe we, you, you mentioned yourself, you know, you, you're giving away, even with some of the courses that you're running, um, there would be a time in business where you would say, okay, well, this is our intellectual property. If you mm. even want to look at it, uh, you know, you're going to pay me a hundred grand first yeah. and then, you know, whatever. Um, but the knowledge, again, the knowledge economy, I suppose, if you're going yeah. to call it that, has made information so available. I think you've touched on something really powerful there that says that at the end of the day, if people just want information, they can kind of get it anywhere. Yeah. Like being the guy who says, I've got the information that nobody else has. Uh, as an increasingly small <laughs> um, spot to oh, occupy. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I am the product of secondhand information. Like, every, the person I am today, the business I'm running, is all down to books I've read, articles, podcasts I've listened to, videos I've watched. Mm. I've All I've done is I've consumed information and applied it. Yeah. And now I'm <laughs> I'm adding to that circle yeah. by producing my content that's yeah. my story yeah. and kind of hopefully someone can read that and take action on it as well. Mm. But I think the most important thing that I try to communicate with my emails and my newsletters, uh, my blog and everything that I do is information is great um, as long as you take action on it. Yeah. You know, otherwise we're just consuming information, wasting time, mm. you know, not really doing anything. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's because I mean we're 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 bombarded now with like mm. Facebook and there's so many blogs out there and video like the amount of content being created is is phenomenal. Yeah. So I think it's um it's only one half of the equation. You taking action on it and and mm. and 
putting it into practice is is the other half that I think not enough people do. Yeah. Um, oh, I, w- I would agree. So I mean, yeah. let's let's step into that realm then, because I think that's obviously a huge area where you deliver value for people as well. Mm. So when it comes to taking the ideas that we have and turning it into actual tangible action. What are some of the things that you've done or have yeah, advised I mean, people? I've experimented with a few things. In blog posts, for example, I include a list of action steps at the end. You know, like, here's the theory. Mm. Here are some things you can actually do to apply it. Yeah. Um, so for, if it's a post about waking up early, there's, you know, setting your alarm correctly. There's um, steps to take before you go to bed. I mean, productivity, the blog, the productivity space is pretty good for that kind of thing already. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the things that, um, an ebook that I wrote a couple of years ago now, which t- still sells pretty well, is um, a book called Guidelines. Uh-huh. And... I've written a ton of book summaries for my website. It was just as a meant as a personal reference for me. I'd read some books like self-help business books, yeah. and I wanted to really remember the key points. So rather than having to skim through the book, I just had a clear document with these are the big takeaways. Yeah. And I did this for a number of books, and I put them up on my site, and I saw a lot of people responding well to them. They were getting a lot of traffic again and again. Mm. So a few years ago, I wrote an ebook called Guidelines, which is really taking the lessons from all these different books. And a lot of the books are saying the same thing. Yeah. A lot of them have yeah. the same messages. Like if you look at The One Thing uh-huh. by Gary Keller and Essentialism uh, by Greg McEwen, I think his last name is pronounced. Uh-huh. These are productivity books. And they're both saying, basically, focus more of your, your time and your energy on fewer things. Instead of spreading yourself too thin, find the one or two projects that are really going to move the needle on your business yeah. and focus your energy on that. I mean, even in the title, The One Thing and Essentialism kind of... Right. You know. So the books are largely saying the same thing. So I would try and... I spent some time researching what are the common themes, the common action steps I'm hearing, yeah. and I listed them as guidelines. So these are the things you should do. Mm. And I have categories for business, marketing, leadership, just life in general, health. Mm. These are the kind of guidelines or rules you can follow, and they're very action orientated. Mm. So each section has a guideline. You know, this is what you should do. These are some quotes and some here's some examples backing that up. And the different I discussed the different books that have touched on that idea. Yeah. But it's very action orientated about. Uh, um, God, I'm trying to think what the guidelines are right now. I can't remember. <laughs> um, but there's, you know, they're very specific. Like it's, yeah. it's designed. The book is designed to help people take action. Mm. You know, so that's mm. something I'm a book that I'm, yeah, I'm pretty proud of and yeah. going to do. Yeah, yeah. So why do you think it is so hard for people to focus on on fewer things? I mean, in principle, it sounds great. Do less stuff. Do you yeah. know, Do a few things really well instead of a lot of things. Yeah. Averagely. Yeah. Um, I wrote about that a while ago. I think uh, I think it's a few things. When uh, people like to take on more because a they like when when you have more to do you feel more important. Right. Even though the things that you're probably doing is this work for work's sake stuff. Yeah. It's just work to make yourself busy that makes you feel important. So mm. Feeling important is nice. Yeah. Sure. We, want, we all want to feel important. So that's one thing. Yeah. Second thing is I think we don't want to disappoint people. Right. You know, if somebody approaches you, hey, can you do this interview? We think, oh gosh, okay, fine, I'll do it. We don't want to disappoint them and let them down, even right. though it's going to be maybe a waste of your time and you might not be doing Mm. them a service because you're not going to really be your heart's not really in it that kind of thing so I think those are some key things like just not wanting to disappoint people and and wanting to feel important Um, and and often as well in this 9 to 5 culture if people kind of finish the main elements of their job Mm. and they still have three hours before five o'clock they need Mm. to kind of fill that time with something sure so we take on more stuff to do yeah Um, yeah I mean, that's why, you know, it's something I observed in business as well, too, that the current model of, again, nine to five salaries or something like that, the reward for being good at your job is more work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. But the, uh, for, for the person who's bad at their work, their reward is they get to do less. Yeah. 
So you can see how demotivating it gets with people. Yeah. Yeah. It's similar with, well, this is why I don't charge by the hour either. Ah, okay. why, why should a coach, a freelancer, a consultant, whatever you are, why should someone who is bad at their job mm. charging an hourly rate get paid them more because yeah. they're doing it slowly yeah. than someone who is good at their job? Like a mm. good freelancer, consultant, um, coach, mm. if they could give you the result and get you to your goal, to your outcome, yeah. instantly, yes. you would pay for it. But yeah. then they wouldn't earn any money. Yeah, wow. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So this yeah. is why I don't charge by the hour. Ah, so how do you do it? Well, I charge, um, I, again, this is all secondhand information, but I follow an approach that Jonathan Stark, who's a very clever, um, I think he's a web developer, but he's written a lot about uh -huh. um, what he calls value pricing. Right. So value pricing is about finding out what does the client value? What are they really trying to do? Which is why I asked that question earlier, you know, with Asana, what is your business goal? Yeah. So, and, and PipeDrive is a really good one. PipeDrive, which is a sales tool, I think, you know, I ask, what kind of sales numbers are you trying to hit? What are your goals here? So if somebody comes to me and says, you know, we really want to be hitting this amount of sales, or we want to improve our conversion rate on our customer, on our prospects to cl to clients, mm -hmm. um, I try and have that understanding, and then I design a proposal and give them a fixed price, or better yet, I give them a couple of fixed prices okay. based on that. Yeah. So I say, right, my proposal will include the deliverables. Like this is actually what we're going to do, and I have mm -hmm. option A, which is basically everything that they ask me for. I want you to teach me this, and it's going to achieve this goal. Mm -hmm. Option B, which which is everything from option A plus um, some extra, which maybe they didn't think about, but I'm, it's something that I as an expert think this guy would really benefit from, sure. so I've included that in option B. Option C, which includes everything from options A and B plus even more. Right. And again, and, and with those, yeah, those third, two and three options, it's, um, it's about really identifying things that are really gonna support that goal, yeah. which they haven't thought about. Yeah. And so, so I, I give them a few options and there's mm -hmm. fixed prices. The fixed pricing is, is good for me mm. because effectively my hourly rate is, um, is actually a lot higher than it would be if I was charging um, by yeah. the hour. Mm. But it's actually better for the client because it's a lot lower risk. Yeah. I've had clients where we get the project done really quickly and they're yeah. happy to pay mm. to get the job done quickly. Mm. But then I've had clients where it takes a long time to get the work done. It maybe takes two or three times as long compared to other clients might just be due to the complexity of the work. Mm. Now, if, I, if someone came to me and said, how long is this gonna take? It's really hard to answer that question. Right. So if I said, right, well, it's, I think it's maybe gonna take 10 hours and here's my hourly rate. If it then takes 15 or worse, 20 hours, they've then made a purchase decision based on 10. Yeah. You're now coming to them and saying, actually, it's taken 50% or even 100% more time than I expected. Mm. That's not good for the client. If you're going to them with the mm. bill now, which is twice as much as they were expecting, yeah. with, a, with a fixed price, there's a lot less risk because they know their financial commitment up front. Yeah. It also means I can add more value in my proposal because I can include 30 days support. So yeah. even after they're done, if they have any issues, any concerns, mm. I can address those as much as we need to within 30 days. And even now I've, I'm starting to do three and six month check-ins as well to really okay. make sure people are succeeding. Yeah. Um, and, and not just, you know, I finish the project and see you later. Yeah. I really want people <laughs> to, to do well in the long run. Yeah. So um, I package this all up into my pricing so that it's, it's, it's about lowering risk, delivering more value and giving and helping the, the customer to, to make a purchase decision around things that they, you know, yeah. it's, it's much more certain. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the approach that I use. So have you then, when you were communicating this kind of idea of um, this fixed pricing there, um, coming up against those who maybe have a more traditional model of, yeah. of how those things, how, how have you journeyed that customer, maybe the more old fashioned view into, yeah. into your 
Well, I always, I always explain my pricing. So okay. I have an, int an introductory call uh -huh. where I'm learning about the client and I'm finding out their goals so I can put together that proposal. That's one purpose of the call. Then inevitably the price question will come up and I explain, I'll give you some fixed prices. Mm. It'll be, I'll give you a proposal limit, listing those options. Um, this is why I charge fixed and I go through the, the thing, yeah. which is, um, you know, it's less risk. It's you will know your financial commitment up front and I explain it to them. Mm. Sometimes people will come back with, we're not really willing to commit to a huge project. We don't want this to be a huge thing. Mm. I mean, not that my projects are actually that big, but um, they just don't want to make a, a big, a, too big a commitment. Yeah. So then they'll say, can we just schedule a few, a few calls? Um, at an hourly rate and even right. though I've explained to them why that's a bad idea <laughs> yeah. some people are a little bit yeah. stuck in their ways and they, but, but that's fine it suits them they would rather pay an hourly rate for two hours and let's just mm. that'll be it I just say yep I can do that I give them my hourly rate and um, we schedule those calls I just make it clear like you know there's no guarantee that we'll actually achieve what you want by the end of this because we wow. might fluff around for two hours yeah. and not and not really address it. I mean, I'd like to think that we will. Hopefully we will. I'm pretty good at my job. I'm sure we will. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but you see what I'm saying? Like, there's, you're, you're taking on more risk and there's mm. less certainty when you mm. go with an hourly approach. So I just kind of make that clear. And for some people, that's fine. Mm. Does that seem to be a bit of a filter then as well for the kind of businesses that you work with longer term? Like, I would imagine those who just, just want the hourly rate all the time eventually fall by the way to be honest I haven't I haven't actually had that much recurring business from the hourly clients. Usually, yeah, yeah, you know, they, they, um, yeah, they don't, it's not like they're coming back to me week after week going, let's yeah. book another call, let's book another call. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I price my hourly rate in a way that if they did, I'd be happy to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, most of, uh, maybe, maybe 80, 80, maybe even 90% of my clients are, uh, they're happy with the fixed price model mm. because they like the fact that there's less risk. They like the 30 day support. Yeah. They like the check-ins because for them, they're getting a really good service mm. for a set price. Mm. Mm. I love that because again, it's just an, an innovative way of doing business now that does work for work for everybody. There's a reward for you to do your job well, mm. which is great too. Yeah, I mean, if they can, you know, if you can turn it around and smash it out in 30 minutes, solve it in mm. an hour, then like you say, they're getting the result that they want. Yeah, yeah. So let's go back a little bit because when you did talk about that book, I would love to hear more of those things where you talked about you know that work for work sake and that assumption of also you know that that we must always be growing. Mm. So what were a few of those other um, I guess assumptions about work? Did, they, did any others kind of stay with you right now that you could think of? Yeah, I'll, I'll try and think. Nothing, um, nothing comes to mind. I mean, the growth thing was a big one for me because I was thinking about that a lot this year. Yeah, okay. And it's something I've, I mean, years ago I was thinking you know, what are my business goals? Oh, I'd love to run a big company, right. be making a product or something and employ lots of staff and have a big office. Mm. And for, for some people that's great. I think if you can have a really great corporate culture and you can achieve that balance between profit and giving back and, and your staff are all really happy and you can yeah. have a culture where people really love coming to their work, I would still love to do that if I can. Yeah. But man, that's a lot of work. <laughs> you probably gather that people listening are probably like, man, he's lazy. <laughs> um, it's, it's, for me, it's about lifestyle and it's yeah. about achieving a balance between the, the business that I'm building and my lifestyle, spending time with my wife, my friends, my family, yeah. going to CrossFit, doing the things that I like to do. Uh -huh. And um, I'm, and so over the last few years, I've, I've undergone this shift where I've, I'm now less attracted by the idea of this big, attractive, cool, successful right. business. Right. And I'm now, um, I'm happy being a lone wolf, doing my own thing, not employing mm. anyone, just ticking over. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, without 
without making it an explicit goal, which maybe it's a bit unconventional, mm. I am growing my revenue. Yeah. Um, but like I said earlier, for me, I'm just happy if I can make that four grand a month and yeah. everything else is gravy. Yeah. I'm still still kind of following that approach. Yeah. I, I kind of love that. I kind of love that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it means it means every month I'm uh, you know when I smash my goal, not not my goal, but when I smash my yeah. uh, have a really good month, I'm yeah. like, wow, that was great. Like that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy, and and I'm very like I said earlier, I'm very content right now with where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I was talking to my friend about this. You know, this might change. Mm. My my. Um, in a few years, I might get super bored doing this, and yeah. I might get lonely as a lone wolf, and be like, you know what? I actually would love to do the big business, employ lots of people thing. Yeah. Um, but right now, I'm just happy with this. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just getting a bit of a hum again. So I'm just gonna. This is how technical it gets when I get a hum. If I literally just adjust the mic, it goes away. Yeah. So uh-huh. how weird is that? There we go. All okay. right. Okay. Um, well, then let's let's look to then the future for you, because one thing I was thinking about, particularly when you're in a, um, a sector where you've got a you know a few uh, software products that you're an expert in, um, and software is always changing. Mm. So how how do you look to future proof yourself then, or or where things could go? Is it a matter of interest, or you just tell me? Yeah, I mean, I guess the advantage of being a company of one is that I'm pretty. Um, I'm pretty flexible and I can make changes very quickly. If I yeah. decide that I want to offer a new consulting service, I can have a landing page set up and ads ready to go within a couple of hours. Mm. I, can be, I can be up and running. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I will continue to see what the market wants and you know, offer, offer help with the services that I'm, I'm using and the skills that I have. I mean, really, the decision to, to help people with those three, Asana, Pipedrive, and MailChimp, mm-hmm. those are the three, I didn't, I didn't learn those specifically to help people. Those are just three skills that I, or three bits of software that I know very well, that I use every single day, yeah. that I thought I could help people with. I didn't try, attempt to learn every project management tool, I just do Asana. I haven't learned every sales tool, yeah. I just do Pipedrive because it's the one that I use. Even though I could probably make a ton of money sure. helping people with Infusionsoft, which is, in, which is 10 times more complex than Pipedrive. Sure. Um, as an Infusionsoft consultant, I could help big, big companies and make a ton of money, but I have no idea how to use the program. And maybe I could learn how yeah. to use it and offer that service, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm happy doing the, the Pipedrive one uh, because it is the tool that I use. I don't use Infusionsoft. Um, so that's been a big part of it, is just sharing the expertise that I already have mm. um, and re- regarding the tools that I use every single day. I mean, I will... I'll continue to see what tools come to the market. Maybe Pipedrive will die one day, I don't know, or maybe yeah. Asana will go away, so I'll have to make a shift. Mm. Um, or maybe the product will just stop getting developed as much, and, and I, I, maybe I will switch to something else, like OmniFocus or Todoist, and when I make that switch, I might take my consulting service with me. So I don't know, I, I don't have an answer. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I guess yeah. I'm just gonna wait and see what happens and just adapt and go with the flow. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, the, but this is why, sorry to interrupt, no, no, this is why I'm, I'm trying to achieve a mix in my revenue as mm. well, like I, I'm building the product side Mm. I've even done a little bit of newsletter sponsorship as well. I, I like the idea of having a few diverse sources of income so that, mm. you know, if something radical did happen, um, I'm not 100% reliant on consulting or product income. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, the reason I love that story is that it, it does share again, again for those who are listening right now as well, of, of what what business can look like now. Mm. You know, that it, that it can be, uh, you know, this, this very kind of agile environment where it's driven by, again, so long as you know the things that you're really looking for for yourself, you can shape things however you really want to shape them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I think um, it's an interesting idea. Like, you can design a business to look how you want. Yeah. You know, 
and you you will naturally design it a certain way without even realizing like as you hire staff and mm. as you make new products you are designing a business to be a certain way and I think a lot about what type of business I want to have. Mm. Okay, tell and, me more and, about that. Well, that's it's what we've already been talking about, about yeah. hiring people, yeah. about the mix of product revenue I've got. These are, I'm, I'm actively deciding all the time about how is this going to affect my business? And more importantly, how is this going to affect my life? Because now really I'm at a stage where for me, business and life, uh, and sorry, yeah, like business and my, my home life are sort mm. of, one and the same. Yeah, right. I really like, I mean, I think Richard Branson said something about, you know, there is no home life and work life. It's all just life. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, I'm, I've definitely shifted a lot more to that way of thinking. And okay. so, but I'm designing the business to, to fit the life that I want to have. Mm. And I think, yeah, a lot of people will naturally get into a job or, or design their business to grow and employ lots of people without thinking about maybe the impact it's going to have or thinking about the trade-offs they can make. Yeah. You know, and I think actually Johnny O'Donnell, who I know you've interviewed, who yes. actually introduced us, yes. he was a big influencer on me in terms of um, that way of thinking. Because okay. I know that he, he said something on my podcast about um, thinking about for his year, what does he want to do this year personally? Where yeah. does he want to go? Where is he going to travel? How much is he, time is he going to spend doing different things? Yeah. He actually plans his life first. Yeah. Then he plans his business to fit around that. Mm. And I was like, whoa, that's whoa. cool. So I've, it was a really interesting discussion and, and so that was a big influence on me in terms of designing my business to fit how I want to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's what's next for you in terms of then how you want to live? Like how's... how's yeah, I mean, uh, I, I say it again and again, I'm, I'm quite content now. Like I'm, just, <laughs> I'm not, um, which is really nice because I've, I think in, you know, I think... A lot of people are always after more, 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 more. Yeah. And I've thought about, I've, I've been like this a lot. And I think I've only really started to get um, to the stage, this kind of content stage that I am now over the last six months or so after, after traveling actually. And uh -huh. I think um, a lot of people just think I need to earn more money. I right. need to do more things. I need to have a bigger house. Mm. This idea of more, of growth is constantly pushing us. Sure. And so I've, uh, I was listening to a podcast about minimalism and it's teaching you about I was going to say it sounds like yeah yeah yeah, yeah like yeah. respecting yeah. what you already have and just being happy with the here and now and I think I'm designing a business to support that and um, you know I, I have been reading about stoicism for example uh -huh. is, is a, a big topic that I'm, I've become quite interested in mm. which is all about you know appreciating what you have and yeah. uh, reading and podcasts have all sort of taught me that yeah the growth isn't always good and, mm. and I think the constant pursuit of growth and the constant pursuit of, pursuit of more actually makes us unhappy. Yeah. Because we feel like we don't have that thing. I need to be earning more, then I'll be happy. But when you earn more, you think, now I need to earn even more. Right. And if we're always pursuing growth and more, we actually become unhappier. Yeah. I think. And so, and I'm, I'm not saying you, you, <laughs> I keep undoing what I'm saying, but like, I don't think you should not grow or not be trying to learn new things. I'm all for learning, but I think it's a balance. Mm. And I think too often we go f too far mm. one way. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I, I, to, to tie this all in a bow, I'm quite content with where I am now. And I'm, I've been the happiest I am where I am right now Sure. Um, by not focusing too much on growth and what's yeah. next and, and yeah. earning more money. And even um, my wife and I, we were, we were going to go traveling and we were going to come back and sell our house and buy a bigger one. Yeah. Now we got into our house, we're like, actually, we're really happy here. We're not, we're not too concerned about the bigger house anymore. Yeah. Um, 
and so yeah, I think I think I've said everything I wanted to. I think no, um, no. it's just been a big big change for me, and I'm, I'm a lot happier for it. Mm. Yeah. It's really cool to hear coming from a productivity guy as well. <laughs> well, I mean, I say that because I've, I've observed similar things that 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 drive for always, you know, because you know. What could you do to improve your life? Well, you could do a bit more. Well, once you've done a bit more, could you do a bit more? Well, I suppose you could. Uh, you, know? so you, you never get there. And you never get there. Yeah. yeah. It's actually something that I heard um, coming from uh, Tony Robbins a little while ago, where even he and some of his, his um, workers started to realize that, you know, he's been the achievement guy for decades yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but he shares a story about talking about somebody like Robin Williams, who, um, you know, tragically enough, although he had achieved so many incredible things, did he have fulfillment? Mm. And and that's why, to be honest, I know you, you know you've, you've done very well to try and balance what you're saying, so people realise it's not just about being idle. But I think in our culture now, to have been able to maximise your efficiency with the different things that you're doing and be productive, so you can then achieve contentment, as opposed to relentless growth, I think it's actually more a more admirable thing. So yeah. I tip my cap to oh, you, sir. Thank you. Well, you know, the, I love that word fulfilment, and actually bringing this right back to the beginning with Simon Sinek, he's given a great talk on. Uh, I think if you just go uh, in YouTube, just search Simon Sinek, one of his talks, he makes the statement that you can um, uh, you can go to work every day and do a good job, but you won't be fulfilled. Fulfillment comes from one place and one place only, which is helping other people. And like we said earlier, service to others. Mm. You can be great at your job and you can do a good job, but the only way that you will come home feeling fulfilled by the work that you do is by helping others. Yeah. And he says, he makes the argument in his talk, we live in a society where we don't help each other enough. It's always like, um, I did something for them, what is he gonna do for me? Right. It's about cashing in on those favors. Yeah. If you can actually do something for someone else yeah. with no other intent than just helping them yeah. and without kind of banking it as a favor, um, that's really what creates fulfillment is helping helping other people. Yeah. Um, and so it's something I've yeah like tried to keep in mind. Um, and it's and the reason he actually backs up a lot of what he says with science. Yeah, well, which is what I love. Yeah, I love that about and biology. Yeah. And yeah, his books and his talks are great. He says like the reason we feel fulfilled, the reason we feel good by helping other people is because Mother Nature has, has designed it so that when we help someone, I can't remember what hormone, it's oxytocin. Do dopamine, oxytocin, I think. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Have you read Leaders Eat Lives? Yes, I have. Oh, <laughs> because he talks about this, the, yes. the different hormones. So oxytocin gets released yeah. and we feel good because nature wants us to help each other so the species survives. Sure. It's just like why sex feels good. It's right. so that we can procreate. So Mother Nature has given us the ability to enjoy sex. Um, it's just the same with f fulfillment. We, yeah. we uh, feel fulfilled because it feels good and we support our species. Mm. Oh, I love those thoughts. Oh, they're not mine. Well, I, no. <laughs> you know what I, I said it before, I am the product of second-hand <laughs> second knowledge. I've just done a good job of applying it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing, like, I think to to be aware that, you know, in this, this age of knowledge that we live in, you know, that you can, I mean, in, in early days for myself as well, I think, and maybe with a little bit of, you know, youthful ego thrown in there as well, you want to be the guy who comes up with all, all the ideas yourself. Mm. Uh, and at some point you realize, well, that's a way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but there are people who are um, far more, I don't know, far smarter than I am, far more dedicated on different topics that I could just learn from and that can make my life better today. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We've eaten up an hour. Have we? Wow. Almost effortlessly um, so I do want to give an opportunity as well um, for if people want to connect with you um, and um, particularly with the services that you offer as well what's the best way for them to do that um, and then as a final thought as well you know we've talked about different aspects of productivity as well if there was a, a parting thought that you wanted to leave with people I'd love to hear that from you 
Yeah, um, so to connect with me, my website is paulminers.com. So it's M-I-N-O-R-S.com. Mm-hmm. It's just my personal name. Um, so you can sign up to my email list. You'll, you'll, get, you'll go through my onboarding series and get my best content and then right. you'll get my newsletter. Um, I'm very active on Twitter as well. I, I don't actually do any Facebook anymore, but Twitter is the place where I like to hang out. And if you're on Twitter, I'd love to connect with people there. And um, parting thoughts, okay. I mean, I've got little productivity tips that I could give, but I think I need to say something bigger, which is that I guess the biggest productivity or even business advice that I I find myself giving um, most frequently is this idea that if this is particularly aimed at the people who are just starting out, you know, just starting out in business, and it's something I've learned, and I'll get to the point, which is, (laughs) well, whatever you're doing, just keep going, keep keep, uh, pursuing it, be patient, and keep trying new things. It took me years to get to the point where I am today, you know, hustling before and after work, and it takes a long time um, to learn enough and to try lots of things, but if you if you keep trying new things, you'll fail a lot along the way. A lot of your ideas, a lot of your assumptions will be proven completely wrong. Mm-hmm. But if you keep trying new things, keep going and just persist, I can pretty much guarantee, the poor man is guarantee, I can pretty <laughs> much guarantee you will find the success in business that you're, you're after if you just keep going. And I think the reason people fail is just because they give up. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole, you know, you can read Seth Godin's book, The Dip, about when to give up yes. and yeah. when to keep going. And mm-hmm. it's definitely worth a read. It's very short, very um, good hour spent reading that book. Yep. Because um, you shouldn't always keep going if you're pursuing the wrong thing. But overall, if you, you know, pivot, keep trying new things, I think that's the biggest thing for, for people in business, productivity, starting out, just keep going, keep trying new things, yeah. And I can, you, I guarantee you'll, you'll get to where you want to be, yeah. The Paul Miners guarantee, I like it. <laughs> Paul Miners, thanks very much. Thanks a lot. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what the new world of business looks like. I found that really fascinating. Um, I love Paul's approach, and if you are new to business, um, I actually find that very freeing. Uh, the whole approach that he has about, um, you know, not only just not working for work's sake, but also just having this systematic approach and the way we can approach work nowadays is, um, I don't know, blows my mind. Love it. Hope you enjoyed it too. If uh, you want to send me some feedback, you can always do that via the Andrew Curtis show at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Love you. Bye. (laughs) 